T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. All three engines up and burning. 2, 1, 0. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. Chapter 11 Astrid paced across the top of the tower, peering down at the ghouls that stood below. She looked past them towards the small river, and the water that flowed so close yet out of reach. They had found food in the tower, but little water, and her thirst was great. Lennox had told her not to look towards the river, that looking would only awaken her need without quenching her desire, but she found herself looking nonetheless. Finally, she could take it no longer and left, making her way down the spiraling steps towards Lennox. The Golden Knight hadn't moved for a long time, claiming he was only tired and needed rest. But when she returned, she found him sitting at the table. He had removed his helm and now sat staring at the iron door. The curse had been at it without end, hammering at the door continuously from the time Astrid opened her eyes to the time she went to sleep. They will stop eventually, Lennox said. With enough time they can learn. Only little things, but still. They'll know they cannot break through the door, and they will leave it be. She took a seat across from the knight, picking up his helmet and turning it in her hands. This is well made, she said, ignoring his words. She did not care to think of their dilemma. I forged it myself. Lennox was looking towards the girl, trying his best to read her mood. She had been more than a little downtrodden since her awakening, and he feared she was falling into hopelessness. Astrid looked up at him, surprised, perhaps even a little impressed at his words. You forged this? Of course. I forged my shield and spear as well, though they are back at the mountain city. Lost beneath the great lake... Were you the son of a smith? Huh, Lennox said with a smile, amused by her words. No, princess. I am like you, the child of a king. This time when she looked at him, she was more than a little surprised. With mouth ajar, utter astonishment shone upon her face. She looked down at the helm and then up at the knight. A prince of where? The silent city. The silent city, she repeated, her eyes wide with shock. Is this, is this another secret, Sir Knight? Hmm, I suppose. Though, you already know what I truly am beneath this illusion. That is all you really need to ruin me. This I tell you freely. You need not give me a secret in recompense. A prince of Martial. She said again in disbelief. Were you there when the city fell into madness? No, said Lennox. I was locked away before the true chaos fell. He was quiet then for a time, his mind racing once more to his abandoned cell, and then quickly to the present. It makes you wonder, yes, what it is this lady soon wants with us. Three royals sworn to serve her as little more than slaves. Three, Astrid said, 
her tone absent, her mind in thought. Our third companion, the one in Solaire, he is a prince as well, yes, the fifth son of the king, if what Shiva said was true. Of course, how foolish of me to have forgotten. Lennox waved it off. A slip of the mind. Perhaps now would be a good time to lay bare all we know. We shall never have as opportune a time as we do now. I cannot see how it matters. Oh, I disagree. You seem to think you'll die here alone in this tower, with me only to watch you go. But you're forgetting our mutual friend, and more importantly, the one he serves. Lady Soon? The very same. She is a seer, yes? And she sent Shiva to retrieve us and return, yes? Well then, I imagine she wouldn't have sent him to begin with if she did not believe he would fulfill her request. Seers can be wrong, Astrid replied. Not the ones that are of any worth, and I don't believe it would be in Shiva's interest to serve an oracle who couldn't see what lied ahead with accuracy. So please, my lady, do not fall into futility. Astrid looked away, her face tense, her eyes scanning the ground anxiously. It had not worked. My words could not reach her, Lennox thought. Fine then, doubt if you will. But I would still like to hear all you know of those brass knights I fought in the garden. You recognize them. Tell me now. Astrid leaned forward, stripping the cord at the end of her braid before running her fingers through her hair until it hung loosely about her. She had always looked strong to Lennox, since he first laid eyes upon her. But now she sat hunched before him, she looked young. Just a girl in truth, he thought. Her strong eyes were tired and weary, sat almost to gaze upon. The brass knights, Lennox repeated. Have you come across them before? Seen them in your travels? No, Astrid said at last, shaking her head. I've never seen them, nor have I come across them in truth. All I know of them was told to me by my father, from a story of his youth, one that has been forgotten by the world. My lady, I would very much like to hear this story. Astrid set down the knight's helm, her eyes meeting Lennox's for a moment. Please, until my death, I will not speak of your words to another soul. They will be safe with me. I swear this. She looked away, nodding slowly. Another long moment passed before at last she spoke. My father's sigil, the Hardrada royal crest. Do you know it? Lennox nodded. I know it well. A white palm, face up with a black flame burning above. An imperishable flame, meant to keep the north warm. It was given to the first king of Kay, by Lord Bartaral himself. It is as you say, if the story is to be held, but no longer. When my father was only a child, he said his father the king through a great tourney, sending out invitations, not just to the people of the north, but to all the kingdoms of the lower continent. He was said to be an arrogant man, my grandfather, 
claiming the world had never seen the likes of such a tournament before, and that it would never see the likes of it again. To prove it so, he offered his eldest daughter's hand in marriage to the tournament champion, as well as a viewing of the imperishable flame, an honor meant only for the king of the north. A royal prize indeed. Lennox's face was dappled with golden light that shined forth from his helm atop the table. And rather unwise of him, I think, to offer such treasure to chance. Unwise, Sir Knight? You are putting it kindly. Your grandfather wished to hold a tournament without equal. To achieve this, he offered a prize worthy of the task. I'm sure he imagined no lowborn knight could possibly have won, and many would agree with him. He thought of strengthening his kingdom through a favorable marriage. It was a clever plan, but as I said, unwise to leave it ultimately to chance. Again, you put it mildly. She was looking at the knight but turned away, pushing her hair out from her face. Lennox waited hoping that his comments had not put Astrid off from proceeding in her tale. At last she spoke. As the time of the tourney drew near, knights from all the world came, crossing the lower continent and the slender sea to our realm, filling the city walls with banners of every kind, bright colors that flew high and cracked in the wind. The Iron King himself attended, joined by his two sons, garbed in their heavy black armor, they posed a striking likeness to the royal banner, but they were not the only royalty in attendance. Two princesses of Cateron also attended, guarded closely by their wardens, and even a paladin of Solaire, though he did not partake of the games. Many lesser lords were there as well, hedge knights from Bedivere and the Iron Range, free riders from the Riverlands, and flocks of squires, running to and fro from their lord's commands, trying their best not to be trampled beneath the throng of horses. Not a single game had been played and already songs were being sung. Songs of the sheer majesty that was to be the Tournament of Ages. Lennox could imagine it well. He had spent some of his youth in the city of Kay, though he supposed it had changed much. Both the archery competition and the melee were given a full day unto themselves, with gold and great esteem given to the victors. But it was the joust that the crowds were truly there for. A new arena had been erected, just for the event, and three days set aside for the competitors, with the jousting running well into dusk. The hooves of all the great horses hammered into the field, until the torn earth was hardly more than a ragged wasteland. Servants had to work all night by torchlight to ready the field for the following morning. By the second day the chaff had been cast aside, leaving only the worthy, there were still many great knights in the running, but early on in the second day, something odd began to occur. A group of mystery knights began to appear, their identity concealed. They wore the same brass armor with the exception of their helms, each of which bore the semblance of a different beast of their earth. The brazen guard they were called, seven of them, each one more mesmeric than the last. Were the two I fought among them, the jackal and the boar. They were, said Astrid, turning to look at the knight. But the boar you fought before the arch tree was three meters tall, and the knight at the tourney was a man, not a monster. Perhaps, 
Lennox wanted to say. Instead, he asked, What of the other five? What beasts did they take for their helm? Two you know, the jackal and the boar. The other five were the lion and the wolf, the bear and the crow, and the seventh bore the wings of an eagle. By nightfall, they were all anyone could speak of, the brazen guard. One couldn't step foot into an inn without hearing some story of their true identity. Some gambler claiming to have beaten one at cards, or a fallen knight saying he recognized the man by the way he fought. And it was not just the common folk either. My father said it was all the court could talk of. It was a great mystery to have so many talented knights unknown within the kingdoms. And you say none knew their identity? None, Sir Knight. Else I would tell you this very moment. They were my grandfather's bane, the bane of all the North in truth. You killed two of them. I am grateful for that, which is why I tell you this tale. Hmm. The bane of all the North. Curious words. Please, Lennox said, motioning for her to continue. On the third day, the brazen guard would at last be pitted against one another. All the tourney waited to see what would happen, except, as the day unfolded, what transpired surprised all. The first joust of the day pitted the wolf of the brazen guard against yet another mystery knight. This one set all in blue, donning an old-fashioned sugar-loaf helm. Like the brazen guard, he flew no coat of arms and bore no sigil upon his chest or shield. Truth be told, my father says he hadn't even remembered the knight from the previous days. Yet right before the joust, the wolf saluted the mystery knight and withdrew, all to the stunned silence of the crowd and kingdom. And it did not end there. In the next joust, the blue knight was pitted against the boar, only for the brazen knight to withdraw as the wolf had before him. Did they all yield to the blue knight? No, said Astrid. The crow and the eagle crossed lance, but neither lost their seat and the king awarded victory to the crow. The rest of the brazen guard rode beautifully, but were vanquished in turn, for there were many great knights. But near the end, the crow did in fact yield to the mystery knight, so that for the last match, it was none other than the blue knight against the prince of the Iron City. By now the crowds had gathered that the brazen guard served the blue knight, and guessed that maybe he was a prince after all. Perhaps from Solaire, or Caterone. Even my father could not say, and the king of the north was greatly pleased. The great mystery of the blue knight and his brazen guard would only add to the grandeur of his tournament. Great songs would be written and sung, and they were, but they would not be like the king had hoped. The blue knight won, Lennox said. Just so, and that night the king invited him to the castle to show him the imperishable flame and to present his daughter to the knight, proclaiming the wedding would be set at the knight's convenience. But that evening, when the mystery knight arrived, he was not alone. The seven beasts of the brazen guard appeared beside him, and the king welcomed them all inside the inner chambers. For most, that is where the story ends. A great fire took up the castle that very hour, killing the king and the mystery knight, and both their guard alike so that in the morning all that was found inside the castle keep was ash and hollow suits of armor, except 
that is not entirely true. Oh. Lennox thought about the tale for a moment. The blue knight and his brazen guard. Their armor was never found. Indeed, Astrid said with a nod. The people were told all were lost, but no trace of the blue knight or his guard were ever found. And yet the tale grows in desolation. When my father went to gaze upon the imperishable flame, he found nothing but an empty cauldron, cold and bleak, and a room full of shadow and silence. He believes it's stolen by the blue knight, Lennox said. Could it have been anyone else? My father spent his life looking for whispers of where it could have gone, and has told only his kin of its disappearance. But now the cold is spreading in the north, and people are beginning to suspect. I see. My lady, your tale is grim indeed. Lennox's gaze fell to the floor, as though a heavy burden had been set upon him, and was now dragging him earthwards. I have told you all I know, Sir Knight. Now you shall do the same. Her tone was unyielding. Astrid had spoken a great secret. Now she wanted what she had been promised. Of course, said Lennox, leaning forward as he lifted his eyes towards the girl. It is not my intention to hide anything from you, my lady. Ask me, and I will answer all I know. The Dark Moon Alchemist, who is he? At my grandfather's tournament, the Brazen Guard flew no coat of arms, nor did they show any crest upon their shields. Yet the two you fought at the garden bore the Dark Moon's sigil. Shiva spoke of him with great caution, yet I have never heard his name. Was it he who stole the imperishable flame from my grandfather? No, my lady. First, you must understand. The night from your story is not to be confused with the dark moon. They stand apart. The dark moon is a wizard of dreadful power, creator of monsters and ghosts, foul in understanding, misshaping all he touches, twisting all who follow. And yet, despite this, he is subservient to the blue knight, for they are kin and he is the younger. If these beasts of the Brazen Guard bear his mark, then he is their true master. But he will bid them aid the Blue Knight in all he does. That is to be sure. Then why? Suddenly, a resounding boom echoed throughout the cavern, muffled by the tower stones and continuous rattling of the door. Lennox leapt to his feet and began climbing the tower. A haste glance over his shoulder showed him Astrid following at his heels. What was that? she asked. I don't know. The tower stairs narrowed the higher they went. Old stones, rounded at the edges from deterioration of both time and man. At the top, the glow of the torches were bright, and below light still burned across the cavern. Just beneath them the horde stood beating upon the gate but they were not so wild, and several of them were drifting away from the stronghold, their eyes set upon the tunnel leading into the cavern. Where are they going? Astrid asked. Lennox shook his head and shrugged. Boom! Another explosion echoed throughout the cavern, this one twice as loud as the first, 
accompanied by a wave of warm light that burst forth from the tunnel before disappearing in an instant. The ghoulish horde stopped instantly, their bodies turning like a single mass of bones and flesh to face the cavern tunnels. Boom! A third blast flared, this time shaking the tower slightly before a wave of fire streamed through the tunnels like dragon flames. They're leaving, Astrid cried out. Lennox placed his helm upon his head, gazing out through the visor with wary cautiousness. He could hear the shuffling feet of the undead horde stomping across the wooden bridge before watching as they disappeared back into the tunnels. He grabbed at the tower wall and listened but there was nothing to hear except his own beating heart. Finally, he straightened. Creator guide us, he thought. This was an opportunity, a gift, one they could not let go to waste. We need to move. The knight was already at the tower steps when Astrid turned to follow. I agree, Sir Knight, but where? Surely we wouldn't follow after those creatures. The river, he answered. We'll take one of the boats downstream. How are we to see? By torchlight. The current is not strong. We will make do just fine. And if the river moves swifter than we can manage? Then we will crash upon the stones and drown. Still better than being caught by those hollows, I should think. Now come. We don't know how long we have. Outside the tower, not a single ghoul remained. Astrid took what food she could carry and filled her pouch from the river, while Lennox untied one of the rafts. Once she was done, Lennox kicked off, and together they drifted along the shallows into shadow. Creator guide us, Lennox thought once more. His eyes drifted to the girl. Drowning was a bad way to die. Astrid stood at the front of the raft, holding forth a torch of blue and yellow flame to light the murky waterways. She said little as they drifted, watching as Lennox pushed at the cavern walls with his oar every time they drew close. Every so often she would call a split in the river, and he would decide whether to change course or stay the path. How do you choose? Astrid began, turning her head back to look at the night. How do you choose which path to take? The water, my lady. I'm following the water. You are right. It would be troublesome for us if the current grew too strong. I'm simply trying to choose the calmer path. It appears you're doing quite well, said Astrid, offering the knight some small compliment. Thank you, my lady but save your praise till we've come ashore. For a time, nothing changed. The water ran along the stone walls high in some places, lower in others, and every so often Astrid would call another split, which Lennox would navigate. Yet the river and the snaking tunnels were all the same, cold and bleak. Astrid was beginning to get a feel for the river, when suddenly Lennox pushed them towards a calm bank, and put them ashore upon the beach of black sand. Why here? She said as she stepped down into the shallow waters. Look there, he said, pointing further along the shoreline. She held up her torch. What is it? It's another raft, Lennox answered as he peered out through his helm, 
searching the beach for any signs of hollows. He watched in silence as Astrid made her way towards the second raft. Best wait for me, he called out. Astrid didn't argue. She turned and waited until Lennox had pulled the raft further ashore. Then they went together towards the second raft. It was empty save for a small satchel of wine, which Astrid took, as well as a dagger that had been jammed into the wood at the front of the raft. Lennox took the dagger and placed it inside his belt, letting the blade rest bare against his armor. Even a small dagger was better than none, he knew. Lennox took it for a good omen. How's the wine? He asked. It's filthy, Astrid answered before proceeding to dump out what remained. But the skin's still good. It will hold water just fine. After filling the skin, they continued along the shore. It wasn't long before the sand started to turn into broken stones, and then finally into black slate, which led further and further away from the shore. Soon the earth began to slope upwards, and the walls on either side began to converge, until at last they reached the end of the cavern. A small walkway cut into the wall emerged before them, a passageway just large enough for a man to walk through. Astrid went first, walking with her torch before her as the knight drew out his newfound dagger. Somewhere deep in the cavern another blast went off, shaking the stones beside them slightly and echoing throughout the caverns of the deep. Whether the explosion came from behind them or before was impossible to tell. Who do you suppose is behind all these explosions? Astrid asked, looking back. Lennox smiled beneath his helm. Hmm. I was just wondering the same thing. And? I haven't the faintest idea. But anything that draws the hollows away from us is certainly welcome. Not long after, a light appeared before them. Just a single point. As they drew closer, Lennox saw that the light was actually a reflection of the large fire that shimmered in a still body of water beginning to take shape before them. He put out his torch and Astrid followed his example. In the darkness, he whispered in Astrid's ear, Take care to keep silent. Any noise we make will carry across water as still as this. They continued forward and soon the water was to their ankles. Lennox grew nervous when the rising water reached his knees. But then the ground leveled, and the water stayed as it was until they reached the end of the tunnel and emerged at the base of a still lake. Astrid nearly fell backwards when she saw the sentry demon pacing across the shore like some sort of lumbering beast. Close to eight feet in height, the monster paced awkwardly across the sand before the towering fire, its two contorted bodies twisted at the waist, so that the demon had one set of legs, but the upper torsos of two separate men. The twisted sentry wore a mix of chainmail and steel plate armor that helped hide the distorted flesh beneath and atop their two heads were matching sugarloaf helms of dark iron. The first torso held in his hands dual straight swords, while the distorted twin carried a large bow with arrow knocked at the ready, despite there being no enemy in sight. Astrid stepped back towards the entrance of the tunnel, bumping into Lennox. She let out a sharp breath of air, but was otherwise noiseless. When she turned around, Lennox motioned to her to keep quiet, before pointing out a ladder that stood anchored into the cavern wall, leading up to a small alcove that looked out over the lake. He waved for her to follow and began making his way towards the ladder. 
every step rippling out across the still shallow lake. They reached the ladder and began their ascent, both of them pausing quickly to look back over the lake with anxious uncertainty. If the sentry demon returned now, they would be seen for sure. Lennox reached the top first and quickly disappeared from sight, before reappearing once more with his visor raised, motioning for her to hurry. She hadn't even reached the final rung of the ladder before the knight reached down and pulled her the rest of the way. He threw her from the edge and fell to the floor, raising his finger to his mouth in a hushed motion. Astrid lay still in the ceaseless quiet, her heart racing as Lennox stared back at her. Ever so slowly he flipped over to his belly and began to crawl towards the edge and gazed outward. She watched the night, her eyes focused on his helm which shined dimly from the burning fires across the lake below. He stayed on his belly for some time until finally he pushed away from the edge and returned to her side. He took off his helm and let his head fall back against the stone wall. He's gone, Lennox said quietly and closed his eyes, taking a moment to rest his mind. The hollows were one thing, but now a sentry demon? It's not possible, he thought. Just how far had the taint spread? They were leagues away from the sunken city, and there was no reason for the dark moon to be pursuing him so ardently. There must be some other explanation. Lennox. The name drifted in his mind. He opened his eyes and sat up, turning to look at the girl. You can rest later. For now we should keep moving. Of course, Lennox mumbled, slightly taken back by the girl's determination. I'm glad we were able to slip past that sentry. I almost cried out in surprise when I first saw the monster. Lennox laughed. Just be grateful Shiva was not with us. That fool of a man would have charged the demon the first opportunity he had. Too true. That man will be the author of his own death, but I can't imagine he would have it any other way. Oh, I'm not so sure. Remember who he serves. The lady may not let him fall to destiny. Who knows? But enough of the warden. It's best we keep moving. Right, Lennox said, and together they began to follow the narrow path along the cavern lake. After the encounter with the sentry demon, they moved with great caution, lighting their torches only when necessary, and taking their time when they came across a new cavern or break in the path. Still, despite their slow pace, the hallways and tunnels were beginning to bring them closer and closer to the surface and on more than one occasion, they could see light cascading down from high above in translucent waves that pierced the cavern halls. Up and up they went, journeying the unknown, wandering the paths as hour after hour passed. They had gotten close to the surface several times, only to be led down into the unknown once more, until at last the rough stones turned wood beneath their feet, and they once again ascended upwards, the two of them exchanged a glance as the first glimpse of hope returned. They pressed on and quickly came to a staircase that led up to a wooden hatch. Lennox's hand shook as he reached for the door. He could feel the air flowing through the cracks in the wood as he turned the latch and pushed. The door swung out into the quietness of the cool black night. Lennox stepped out and turned to help Astrid, and together they looked up towards the night sky. 
Even with their torches burning beside them, they could see a streak of stars above them twinkling through the forest trees like a sea of shimmering diamonds. Any notion of where we are? Lennox asked. He had lifted up his visor and stood with his head tilted back so that he could view the stars. Astrid twisted her body to switch angles as she looked up at the stars. I'm not sure, but perhaps I can point us in the right direction. She lifted her hands up, setting them against the sky like it was some sort of map. <laughs> it's difficult to say for certain, but I believe East should be this way. She lowered her gaze and looked past Lennox into the woods. It's impossible to say where we are in the forest, but if we head east, we will reach the end eventually. <laughs> we'll reach the end no matter which way we go, but perhaps you're right. Best we get back to the path we were traveling. And what of the warden? What of him? He's dead, or he isn't. Either way, we're not going into those caverns to find out. If he's alive, and manages to escape, then he knows where to go next. I have half a mind to skip Solaire altogether, and seek out this lady soon. But if we show up without our third companion, I fear I won't be able to rid myself of this appalling ring. I've already made one error. It would be unwise for me to compound my mistakes. After a long search of the woods, Asher looked to Lennox. She seemed to have come to a decision. Very well, we press on. I don't like abandoning a companion to the darkness of those caverns. But I cannot imagine any attempt to find him would end in success. Lennox placed his hand on her shoulder. I told you before... If Lady Soon is half the oracle I suspect her to be, then we will see him again. Her mouth opened, but no noise came out. Finally, she nodded, and Lennox turned away without word and began making his way east through the woods. Astrid hurried after him. With no trails to follow, their pace was slow. Snow still covered most of the forest floor, and at times it came up to nearly Lennox's waist. Eventually, Astrid spotted a deer trail they were able to follow for some time before it broke south and they were forced to once again make their own path. Curse this frozen earth, Lennox yelled after slipping on a patch of ice and rolling down the side of a small hill. He was just starting to stand when a flock of crows burst out of the surrounding trees, fifty a hundred screaming birds, spiraling into the sky above. Astrid had seen Lennox cast a few spells, but what she saw next astonished her greatly. A wall of light appeared from Lennox's chest as the knight held out his hands towards the screeching birds. The magic went forth with great speed, arcing up through the forest trees before colliding with the birds and exploding in a shock of heat that blew back at the trees and threw Astrid to the earth. Her ears rung and her body felt heavy. But when she opened her eyes, Lennox was already pulling out her arm, trying to get her to her feet. What was that? She asked groggily. What magic is this? Lennox was saying something to her, but she couldn't hear him. He kept repeating it, but she couldn't understand until finally he reached forward and took her into his arms. The Golden Knight made his way through the snow as swiftly as he could. 
Astra thought it was foolish of him until she saw the snow melting before him as he went, so that he was running on muddled earth. How? She wanted to say but couldn't. She closed her eyes again then, as the bells in her ears flurried once again. The pain was unbearable, and she felt like she was going to throw up. Not again, she thought. How many times would she be saved by this man? Then everything went black. In a small niche, beside a pile of ruined stone half covered by moss and grass, Astrid slept long into the morning. It was a patch of grass blowing into her face by the passing wind that finally woke her from exhaustion. Shifting from a dream of home, a time once spent in a cabin outside her father's castle, she opened her eyes and stared, vacant, at the soft white clouds that trickled above the blue sky. Both light and shadow fell across her face as she sat up in surprise, her eyes frantically searching for Lennox. The dreams of her past vanished as memories returned, so vivid that her heart began to race. She saw Lennox sitting quietly not ten feet away with his back set against more broken rubble. Already breathless, she crawled towards the night in a sort of frantic fit. Lennox, she said as she moved. She reached the knight and went to her knees, taking his hand. Nothing. No pulse or warmth, but then, he was half hollow himself, she knew. Please, Sir Knight, she said, and looked once more to her surroundings, seeing for the first time the open fields that lay before her. She turned west and saw the frozen woods, its snowy trees running like a wall along the field to the east. Her eyes fell back to the ruins that encircled them. A wall maybe two feet tall and a tower which had collapsed upon itself was all that remained of what once was a small fortification, perhaps only a guard post even. Nothing moved. The morning was cold and still, and even the breeze seemed to have withdrawn for the moment. Astrid turned to the night and went to retrieve his helm but found it fixed. Even his visor refused to rise. Taking a deep calming breath, she turned and took a seat beside the knight. He did not sleep, she knew, and she saw no signs of harm to his body. So how had they ended up in the ruins of a fort, clear of the frozen woods and all signs of those nasty crows? She sat silently and thought, until at last she looked towards the knight. Lennox had feared the crows for some reason. That's why he had fled so hastily, but still, she knew not why. She stood up and made her way out the ruins and along the open fields. It was a barren land full of rolling hills, low grass, and few trees. A single road ran along the side of the forest leading north to south. The birds could be seen flying across the sky. But beside the flutter of their wings there was little movement to be seen. She was not sure why it felt so odd when realization fell upon her. She turned and looked out along the fields and saw in the distance a group of riders, making their way across the hills towards the ruins. Her hand went for her sword, checking to make sure it was still there before turning and making her way back to Lennox. She found the knight where she had left him, and quickly began looking for a place to hide. The riders were moving fast and would be upon them soon. She was not sure how far she could move the knight, if at all. The best she could manage was to drag him out of plain sight. 
They were clear of the forest, but the roads along the edge were far from safe. More than once she had to stop to regain her strength, and traversing the uneven ground was proving tediously difficult, though she managed to get him behind some stones while the riders were still away off. She took a moment to wipe the sweat from her face, then ran along the ruins to the west wall and climbed up the remains of the tower, feeling the jostling of the weathered stones beneath her as she climbed. Looking out, she saw the riders in clear view now. She counted twenty, with most dressed in light armor and bearing a flag of blue and silver with a symbol she could not make out as it fluttered in the wind. She watched as the party split into two, with one group breaking north while the other remained on course with the ruins. She slid back down to the base of the tower and returned to Lennox. They were out of sight, and as long as they were quiet, she saw no reason the men might search for them. But her resolution faltered as the beating of the horses drew near, before stopping altogether not ten spans from the edge of the ruins. Muffled voices filled the air as the men called out to one another before dismounting. Astrid thought to look out and see if she could get a better view of the crest, but the risk was too great, and she remained kneeling behind the wall with her hand ready at the hilt of her sword. Girl, a voice called out suddenly. Girl, reveal yourself to me. I know you rest behind the stones with the knight of gold. Fear not. You are lost, bewildered by the world around you. But I mean you no harm. Astrid remained kneeling behind the wall, unsure of what to make of the man's words. Something seems to be bothering you, girl. Yes, I can tell. I am Sir Galhout Hillsong, servant of Lord Magnus, protector of the Eastern Ark. You are afraid. Don't be. I seek only order. Now reveal yourself that I may demonstrate my sincerity. Lord Magnus, she thought. The name sounded familiar, though it was difficult to remember the names of all the lords outside her own kingdom. Her hand tightened around the hilt of her blade as she gazed towards the woods, to freedom, and then to Lennox. What was the night to her that she should risk herself? Her partner? An agreement fixed by secrets. Girl, the voice continued, do not be alarmed. What have I done to frighten you? My men will do you no harm, but if you flee I must subdue you, and I have no desire to do such. Her gaze rested upon the golden knight. He had protected her. She could do no less. Turning to face the rider, she rose, her hand still resting on her sword as she called out to Galhout. Sir Knight, she said, seeing that he was the only one dressed fully in armor. I would ask you state your purpose, and how you came to know I was here. My lady, he answered with a small bow, forgive me, my perceptions are not always as sharp as I would desire. I thought you to be a bit younger than you are. Please, don't let my manners unsettle you. Astrid remained distant, her eyes cold as she looked over Sir Galhout and his men. One man remained in a seat beside Sir Galhout, and in his hand he carried a pole which flew the blue and silver flag she had seen from a distance. It blew gently in the wind, 
revealing the broken crown of House Magnus. Sir Galehout continued, I have spoken my purpose, my lady. I do as my lord bids me, and desire only to keep order in this land. So it was your lord who sent you, Astrid said stiffly. It was, Galehout said with a nod. He is a sage, you see, and went out in the world as a sorcerer in his youth. Now he confines himself to his quarters, and watches his lands through his crystal sphere. He bore witness to both you and the Golden Knight's arrival late last evening, and bid me come to take you to him. He paused then, reining in his horse as it stirred beneath him. As you can see, we brought horses for both you and the knight. Now please, be at ease. Astrid found Galehout's words vexing as she looked out among his men. None of them had drawn their blades, yet they all stood rigid, their faces hidden behind spiked helms with a single crossbar that cut across their faces. Galehout himself was a handsome man, gray-haired with a grandfatherly face that seemed at odds with the burnished armor he wore strapped over his blue and silver undercoat. He seemed a kindly man, honest and dignified, and something about the way he spoke made Astrid want to believe him. For a moment she thought he may have been casting a charm on her, but dismissed the notion. It would have had to be an extremely powerful charm to gain her trust so quickly. She turned and looked towards Lennox, wishing very much that the night might rise, but he did not, and it was left for her to decide, though she felt there was little choice to be made. Galehout's men made that clear. My companion is not well, she said at last. He cannot ride. Yes, yes, of course. Lord Magnus knows this. Do not fret. My men whom you saw depart to the north are retrieving a cart, with which to set the knight in as we speak. They will be here shortly. He smiled then as he looked down at Astrid. You see, your knight will be well cared for. Don't you agree? Astrid nodded, looking back at Sir Galehout with a flat, unblinking stare. I agree, she said. Yet inside she could not help feel as though there was something very wrong with both Galehout and his liege lord, and wished very much for Lennox's awakening. The sooner the better. <laughs>